Welcome to the Whiskey Chasers. My name is Steve. My name is Nick. And I'm Chris. And on today's episode, we finish up our series on Watershed with an interview with Greg Lehman, the owner and founder of Watershed Distillery, which opened its doors in 2010. We talk about the past, present, and future of Watershed and what it all means to those of us that love them. Thank you, Greg, for letting us chat with you and learn more about what you'll be bringing us. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast wherever it is you're listening. It really helps us get the word out. After this real quick note from our sponsor, stay tuned. You won't want to miss this. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Wherever you're listening to this, Anchor helped me get it there. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is completely and totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So first off, Greg, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to come and talk to other people that are really passionate about whiskey and what we're doing in the industry. So it should be a good time. Nice. Absolutely. Um, so first things first, I want to talk just a little bit about how you got going. Uh, when we were looking at your bio and trying to figure out how you came to be, looks like you were uh, previously a pro volleyball player in Switzerland and then somehow became a distillery owner in Columbus. How did that happen, and, and why did you pick Columbus? That, that's what I told my uh, my guidance counselor when I was in school. Volleyball <laughs> <laughs> and make booze, right? Here's the nice. uh, no, it is, a, it is not the traditional path by any means. And, um, you know, everything kind of leads to, you know, there's a whole bunch of, of experiences that you have that lead to where you end up in life, I guess, is the, the uh, uncool way to say it. But when I was in Switzerland, um, they did everything locally. And I'll tell the story. Um, so I was playing volleyball there. And we, yeah, volleyball players don't make much money. It's not like pro sports over here. Like we, they, they gave me an apartment and a car and a little bit of money. But for us, my wife and I, we were like shopping on a budget and like trying to make ends meet. Well, one day we go into Germany. And we realized that everything in the grocery store in Germany is about a third the cost of Switzerland. And we were like kids. We loaded the cart up, filled the car up. So we're, the car is like low riding back across the border, which they they seriously frown on. They shouldn't have let us in. But we're, we're dumb Americans. Please, please forgive us. So they let us in with all this stuff. And that night I was telling guys at practice, I was like, hey, did you guys know you could go to, you can go to Germany. It's like, it's that way. And, and load up on groceries and it's so much cheaper. And for me, it was like, I was sharing, like, of course they know this, but I, and they're looking at me like I have, like I'm an alien. Like they're looking at me like I'm, I'm something's wrong with me. And the one guy speaks up and he says, well, but Greg, Rolf, you know, and like he grows the eggs. You've been to his egg farm. Why not go to the grocery store here and buy his eggs? And Raleigh's family, like they, they may, they own the soda company that sponsored the club. Like why not support his soda and the beer 
the local beer company, the local spirits company, they sponsor the club and the local grocery store, you know, very quickly, I realized like they know all the people that they're buying from. And in that moment, it was really powerful to say, wow, okay, th- this makes sense. Yeah, now I, I feel like an asshole. I'm sorry. For them, it was fun to be able to tell me all that stuff and like get me to their point. But when, when I was back in the U.S. many years later, and Dave and I were trying to think of, you know, we really wanted to be involved in our community, which, and I, you asked why Columbus, I grew up here. Uh, this is a part of me. And so uh, the same with Dave. And we looked at it and said, how do we become involved in this community? And we loved the hospitality industry. We loved the brewing industry. Um, but we were scared of those industries. And we thought, you know, restaurants fail all the time. They're, you know, it's a very hard industry. Breweries seem overplayed because I think there were three at the time. <laughs> so we weren't exactly smart. We were just lucky when we did this. <laughs> um, but, but we love this idea to distill. And we, we talked at length about what, what were they doing in this town in Switzerland that we don't do here. And so making gin and making bourbon came up. It was, uh, it was exciting. It was scary. Uh, it was intriguing. And, and we went out and learned how to do it and raised some money and bought a still. And that, that's how we, that's how you go from playing volleyball in Switzerland. <laughs> a quick answer. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, bourbon's been a big part of your guys' portfolio lineup for quite a while. Um, and you guys just recently changed, um, uh, how you guys blend it, what you guys blend it with and bottled the bond and, uh, change some of those things. What's, uh, what's kind of the reason why you guys did some of those changes? Um, was there a reason behind it? Was it just like a natural progression or? Yeah, there, there absolutely was. You know, we, when we started in this industry in 2010 and we were putting bourbon in barrels and watching it age and, and it was um, such a slow process and one that, that, you know, as you're making that product, not only is it slow to get it to market, but if you want to taste it and then make changes and make it better, that's a painfully slow process. So, you know, people look at it and we did this the really, really hard way as we got going and we learned a ton as we went through it. And so then we got to this year and a couple of things were going on and, and a couple of things led us to this. But one of the main ones is we, we were really excited. And in fact, one of the products that I'm most proud of is our bottled in bond. And when I think about how proud I am of products, like two come to mind born of 4 peel gin which was like our firstborn that came out and right at the but then also this this bottled and bond and it's such a special product and such a special designation that when we were able to launch that we knew it was going to suck up a bunch of our bourbon inventory and um you know we wanted to be able to to bring this product to market we were very excited about it um, but we also knew we didn't want to alienate our customers that, that knew our product and really loved our um, $40 bottle that was approachable and, as I said, a drinker. And so we were really interested in what was going on in the blending market and, and the blending space within bourbon. And we saw some people having some really fun stuff with it. And we started messing around with our product. And uh, so th- this new bourbon that we have, our current uh, regular label bourbon, it's three different blends or three different products are blended in there. It's our regular bottled and bond bourbon. So the same bourbon that that you've always known with Watershed. And then we also have our 
um, apple brandy barrel finish um, so that the um, six-year-old is in. And then we blend it with some MGP. And MGP, they, they're, they're a big distillery. They make some great juice. And so for us, we kind of had fun putting that together and our team got into it. And when you look at our, our team, you know, we've been blending bourbon since 2012 when we launched it where we go taste these barrels. And so we really applied that expertise to what we were doing there. So we kind of had fun with the, both of those projects. Um, but really, it was a way for us to kind of graduate our bourbon to a bottled and bond. And um, we, we really, if you haven't had the bottled and bond, I think you guys had it. I think you, you, yeah. So that, that one, in my mind, I am, like I said, I'm really proud of that one. And I love the other one too. I don't know. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's just something about the time and energy to put in right. to get to bottom. Well, it's a commitment too. Um, just like like you said, putting all that uh, you know juice back and waiting for the um, the right amount of time, and it's kind of a commitment doing mm-hmm. a bottling bomb. So. Oh, it definitely is. It, it takes so much time, and especially um, when you're trying to sell that product along the way to help keep lights on and make sure we can continue. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's it's hard, yeah. So, you know, I'm a big rye guy. Uh, I guess my question is obviously going to be: <laughs> Is there a possibility we could end up seeing a rye come out of Watershed? Yeah. So that's the uh, that's a good question. Yes. yes. Is it? I will have a huge smile on my face and say, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, oh darn it! <laughs> I thought you were about to say that. <laughs> uh, but here's here's the thing. So I I I, uh, I joke about that. Um, there are some barrels of rye sitting in our distillery. Really? And, uh, I won't deny that there's a good chance that we will see that come to market in 2022. Okay. Um, some pretty exciting stuff. All right. And, um, I feel like we should stay in touch so that if we happen to do that in 2022, we can get you guys a bottle of the sample to see what you yeah, do. I would not be opposed to that at all. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yes. So, um, <laughs> No, it's, that's something that, um, you know, as you, when you have a distillery and you got the license and all the equipment, it's really hard not to experiment. So we've got some fun stuff back in the warehouse, but that's one that as we get really close to it, uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. Cool. Absolutely. And along those same lines, uh, something that makes you guys pretty unique reading your mash bill and looking at it is the spelt. And, and is there... Uh, a look at a more weeded bourbon or a weed. So here, here's that, that's a good question. So our our history with spelt is um, uh, one that we've talked about a lot. We are so when we came out with the new bourbons, we actually moved away from spelt. So okay, for spelt in our and, and so it's been out of our process for a number of years now. Um, but obviously we haven't been talking. We've still been talking about it because the bourbon we were opening and selling had it in there. Um, but we moved away from spelt. And again, there's several reasons that go into that. Um, part of it was we used to have a mill on site and we did all our milling on site. And so we really? grew the spelt and we would mill it. Um, but we, for safety reasons um, and some other concerns, we pulled the mill out and we were buying um, grain that was a little more consistently ground and ground a little bit finer than we had the ability to do. And so we, we were messing around with flavors and messing around with that around the same time, and we moved away from spelt. So now our bourbon has corn, rye, and malted barley in it. Okay. And, um, 
So, so the recipe is a little bit different than the original. And it's kind of this progression of, of watershed that I always like to say is, you know, we probably won't do everything exactly the same all the time, but we think we're on this journey of making better and better products as we go. And um, we hired Aaron Harris as our head distiller this, this, this year. He's been here for about a year. And he came from, um, uh, he was at 1792 for a bit and then at Lux. And he brought a whole bunch of knowledge with him when he came to the door. And what he's done to our process and, um, you know, not, nothing huge, little, little tweaks here and there, but it all adds up and just, you know, um, I loved our flavor before coming off the still. And now when I taste what he's bringing up, I'm like, wow, this is great. Like, I'm really excited about what he's doing. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, as, as we've gone in our progression, I think one of the things that makes us fun and exciting is we've kind of been on this path of growth with our, with our bourbon portfolio. Yeah. Right. One it's showing. Yeah. Definitely showing. I've noticed a big difference and it's not a bad yeah. one. It's really good uh, to watch the progression um, and see you guys grow with that. Uh, thinking back to when you guys first started um, and you started dreaming up this idea of a distillery, did you ever think that you would guys be where you are now 11 years from when you started thinking about it? Or even started? You know, it, it, it never looked like this in my mind. It looked much different. And when we started, you would hear Dave and I saying things like, there's no way we're ever going to start a restaurant. That's crazy. We're, we're <laughs> we'll sell to restaurants. Of course, if you've been here, we have a restaurant. We yeah, have yeah. a great restaurant. They do a, they do a fantastic job. Um, we, we knew at the beginning, we really wanted to be focused on the Columbus community. And we probably weren't going to spread that far out beyond that in seven states. Um, and so, yeah, it, it looks a lot different than I pictured it, but when I walk through and I see the team that we built and what they're doing, it's, it's tons of fun. Like I, I'm, I'm very proud of the team. I'm very proud of what we've done. And um, like I say, I couldn't imagine at the time, but I can't imagine it different sitting here. That's fantastic. And you mentioned you've gone to seven States so far. Are you looking to keep going outside of that? No, nah, I mean, I, I say, I shake my head and kind of, uh, you know, say no. We, yes. I think eventually, but over the next two, three, four years, it's going to be a whole lot more of the same. Like we, we, you know, we're a very small distillery and it doesn't, it doesn't, we don't need to be in that many States. We wanted to, we want to build the relationships that we have. We want to make sure that we're making great products and we're partnering with the people that are selling it for us. So, you know, we went through a, we've been around for 11 years and we went through a small period where we were like, Hey, let's get in a few more States. Let's go check out Atlanta. Let's go check out Chicago. And those cities are fun, but there's still, there's no reason to go, to go run to more. Like there's a lot to do in those cities and a lot of people to meet and a lot of people to, to taste on Fort Peel gin and on our bottled and bond and on our bourbon. So I think that's our focus right now. Not growing too fast is a good way to keep the quality, you know, above the quantity. Yeah, that's totally, that's absolutely right. We, we talk about that a lot. Like I said, it's, it's, easy with the distillery to get excited about a new product or a different product. You know, we got the license to distill and a whole bunch of creative people. And so we, we try to be really, really patient and make sure that we don't rush anything. Yeah. So 
here's a one question I've got. Uh, you talk about possibly daydreaming out to what's next. The idea that there might be some barrels of rye sitting around in the in yeah. the warehouse. Um, what's what's next as you guys daydream? Do you guys have anything down the line that you're willing to share that you're like we we would be excited to do something like this, or we we daydream about the possibility of this someday? Um. I don't know what else I can share today. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm definitely a daydreamer, and so there's there's a lot of stuff that takes time to um, to figure out if it if it works. But I will say, um, regardless of how many markets we're in, we're going to do some really fun stuff over the next few years in Columbus, and really make sure and part of the thing of not running through all these other states and, and cities we can really focus on doing some fun stuff here in columbus mm-hmm. and for, for us like you know that's where i grew up the, the community means a lot to me it means a lot to our team and so i i think we'll continue to focus on doing some really cool stuff here and not not just product focus but also some uh some just different ways to engage the community and what we're already doing and get them excited about that. That's really cool. Yeah. Out of uh, selfishness, because I used to work at Bristol Republic. Yeah. Uh, we did quite a few right? barrel picks with you guys. Are you still planning on doing barrel picks or anything like that? Yeah, we will do. We'll we'll keep doing barrel picks. Yeah. Uh, I think we have. Uh, Nikki can tell you, or Grant can tell you, how many we we have set aside for this year. Okay. Not a ton, but there are some. Yeah. Are you Bristol? Uh, no, I'm not at Bristol anymore. I uh, okay. I stepped away right as COVID hit. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we will continue to do some barrel picks. That's a fun way to, to work and partner with, with local restaurants. And yeah. What, like the, the barrel picks where they are, where they're crazy, Michigan and Georgia. Liquor stores love, all the independent liquor stores love to do barrel picks. It's kind of their way to step, to stand apart. Yeah. Go into a liquor store in Georgia. You know, there's a barrel pick from every distillery you can name. Just, <laughs> nice, um, which we don't see in Ohio. I mean, the, the state's very kind of um, you know particular. And, and, yeah, you know, they, they're only they're buying fewer of them, so they go really quick. We're down there. You you go and you can taste through a whole bunch and take it. Um, it's an interesting model. Hey, I wanted to say thank you to uh, during during. Uh, the beginning of covid you guys gave out a bunch of buckets of hand sanitizer for uh, first responders police columbus police yeah so i ended up getting one of those buckets for my precinct um nice we used, that's we used awesome. all of it so it was awesome. that's awesome i'm glad that helped like it 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 i know it was good like i hear stories like that and i know it was good for the community and i love that about it but it was such a great thing for our team like when we had just shut down the restaurant yeah. and to come back and say like, Hey, we're doing something that helps just to look around the room and see the faces on our team of like, yeah, we're, we're going to try to make this thing go. Let's go. Right. Like it was a cool time to be a part of it. And even though all the stress of what was going on in the world, mm-hmm. it's good for our team to be able to do that. Maybe something it, to focus on. Yeah. It, it's cool that it helped you guys too. Like, I feel like it was just the right, I mean, I look back again, so many decisions get you to one point. Two or three days before that, I was telling people, yeah, we're not going to do hand sanitizer. We don't know how to do it. We're not set up to do it. Right. 
industry people started sending me stuff saying, hey, I think you should. We have the ability to help. Here's the recipe. And we started looking at it going, oh, yeah, we, we got this. We do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just little things that you think if it went different, what, you know, how's it look? How's it, you know, what, what does that change? So we were pretty pumped to be able to do that. I'm glad we do that. Well, excellent. I really want, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Is there any kind of uh, uh, events or anything like that that you want to plug before we, before we let you go? Well, no, I, I, we're going to do some really fun stuff on New Year's Eve. Um, and after the first of the year, so we have a new chef running our restaurant now, Chef Jack Moore, who started it. He has moved uh, into a full-time role with his own hot sauce. So oh, we've been nice. Way is he's gotten that up and running. It's really exciting to see that. And we're going to, I think we've got him convinced to come back to the distillery for one night uh, in in January. So that'll be fun. Look for information on that. Yeah. And um, we will do some special, there'll be some special bourbon stuff that's going to hit in January of next year. Okay. Um, look for that. We'll make some announcements soon on, on what that is. And if you're, if you're a bourbon nerd and, and really a bourbon chaser, it'll be fun what, what we have going with that. So I'll just leave that teaser out there. Mm-hmm. Get on our Instagram, um, Watershed Distillery, then you can you can see what's coming on that side of things. Cool. Excellent. Well, well thank you very fun. much, Greg. I really appreciate your yeah. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thank it. you guys for having me on. It was great chatting with you. Well, yep. thank you. We're really big fans of Watershed, yes. if you can't tell. <laughs> so. Awesome. I love it. Well, guys, it's been fun. Uh, Great talking with you. And, uh, yeah, let me know when you want to come into the restaurant. Absolutely, Will. Yeah. I appreciate it. We'll see you. All right, guys. Have a good one. See See you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and also give us a rating uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen. We're also on Facebook at Whiskey Chasers. We also have an email. So if you have any suggestions as far as bottles um, or anything you'd like us to review, please send us an email. It's going to be at whiskeychaserclub at gmail.com. So again, that's going to be whiskeychaserclub at gmail.com. Thank you.